Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. This is Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Tyler Aki, got Gil Gross with me today. We've got you here on the voice of the central New York sports fan until 10 o'clock this Saturday morning. No Syracuse football on the docket today, so... Plenty of bye week stuff to get to. Also, some big basketball news coming tomorrow. Joe Girard will make his college decision. But first, Gil, thanks for joining me here today. Good to be here, Tyler. Anyway, be sure to follow us everywhere on social media. Orange Fizz on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud. Also on Apple Podcasts, Orange Fizz for all the latest Fizz Radio episodes. You'll also get Fizzcasts. And as always, we are also on the lovely orangefizz.net. Anyway, we got a lot to get to today. So much news happening, even though there's not a football game to preview right now. But this is kind of the week where you figure out what your team is. And taking a look at what we saw in the first half from this orange team. 4-2, and two, easily could be 6-0, and oh, and easily could be 5-1, and one, easily could be 4-2, and two, which you are right now. Yeah. This but is- when you... When you look at the 4-2 and two record, isn't that kind of what we thought coming into this season? Pretty much. It's, it's just, I guess... The path hasn't been exactly how you thought it would lay out, but right. you won a game that preseason you probably didn't think you were going to win, and you lost a game that preseason you probably didn't think you were going to lose. Yeah, it's a total glass-half-full or glass-half-empty situation for, for Syracuse here. Are you upset that... The Orange is not 5-0, and not perhaps even 6-0 and because they did hold, they have held a fourth quarter lead going into all six games. Or are you happy that they've had the opportunity to go 6-0? and To me, it, it feels more like a, a disappointment. And even though you're 4-2, and you're kind of sputtering right now. And the, and the constant theme is there in these last two games is you, you haven't been able to stop the run. And that is something that... A combination of some injuries and just going up against all world backs, too, has certainly created that issue. Is Quadriolis in that? I'm not saying Quadriolis is, but Travis Etienne is. For sure. Absolutely. And then you have the injuries with Antoine Cordy pretty much not playing all of that pit game. And I think he's he's one of the better tacklers on the Syracuse team. And if, if he is in that game, who knows how maybe it changes. But there were just some embarrassing moments in that pick game. And you've held double-digit leads in both games that you've lost, which is always a disappointing way to kind of collapse and, and fall, especially under the pressure of road games, too. Again, road games have been Dino Baber's Achilles heel since he's gotten here. I feel like the pit game popped the balloon. I'm with you. The, and um, I mean the balloon is in, mm-hmm. I'll call it the hype balloon. Yeah. I, I really do feel like going into this bye week, you can't feel good. The way Syracuse lost the Clemson game was kind of embarrassing. 13 out of the last 14 plays by Clemson, or it might have been 12 out of the last 13, I believe is the number. They were run plays. Getting two-minute drilled with a run right. is just it's, it's not it's good. embarrassing. And ev- everyone, everyone in the building knew Clemson was running the ball. Syracuse just couldn't stop it. But you sit back and you say, okay, at least it was Clemson. For the same type of thing to happen against Pitt, where you're not stopping their backs at all, that is such a huge disappointment here. I completely agree. It it was, 
I, I, I really thought out of that lightning delay that things were going to change. And for a second, it looked like they were. It looked like Syracuse kind of got its mojo back. You had the lead late. You got Andre Schmidt out there who nails one from 54 yards. And Alex Kessman, unfortunately for the Orange, was even more impressive, hitting two from over 50 yards. So you don't see that in a college game. Three for three from your two kickers from 50 or more. I mean, usually I feel like college football fans are kind of holding their breath for anything over 35. Yeah, that was an insane display of kicking, and obviously, obviously that that played a, a huge part in the game. As much as we talk about the defense, I want to throw this at you, Eric Dungy's performance. How bad was it? Because I felt on Twitter I was seeing two things. I was seeing thirty, thirty-four, or thirty-seven rather, thirty-seven points on the road. How are you? How are you putting this on Dungy? At the same time. He was wildly inefficient, and I know personally for me, every time he dropped back, I felt like whenever he released the ball, he had no idea where it was going. So here's kind of my take on Dungy from that game, and even to a degree, kind of a metaphor for the whole season, and granted there's been certain games that have been way better than others, but right when he's out there on the field, and this is in the middle of this whole Timberwolves debacle right now going on, but I don't know if you saw Jimmy Butler's comments Basically saying, Cat's the most talented player on the floor. Andrew Wiggins has the most God-given talent. I just try harder than everyone. And to me, it just felt like Eric Dungy was just trying harder than everyone on the field at times. And that's what led to the big plays, but it also kind of masked some of his bad plays, too. And his effort out there was all-world, but his execution was far from it. I thought that he showed exactly why he's not an NFL prospect in the game against Pitt. And that's not that's not a knock on him because I mean, he's the heart and soul of this team. It's it's impossible not to love the way he plays um aside from the fact that it's uh it's a risky way to play. It's just that you can't trust him to put the ball on the money when it comes to short pass, intermediate pass or a deep ball situation. He's just not putting the ball where he, where he wants it. And that kind of comes as a result of the fact that this running game has really struggled, too. I mean, we can talk all we want about Syracuse's inability to stop the run, but, I mean, that's a two-way street. you got to be able to stop it, but you also have to be able to execute it yourself. And Syracuse, in the ground game, I'm, I'm going to say it, like, Mo Neal has just, ever since he kind of took the reins as the starter, he's been a little disappointing. And... Jarvion Howard's had his flashes. He did have the two touchdowns against Pitt, but all that's coming in short yardage. Dante Strickland's actually looked pretty good since he was quote-unquote demoted. Right. He's, uh, he's, that could have something to do with just sitting on the sideline, having fresher legs than everyone. I think when you have four carries a game, you're expected to average more yards per carry per se. But I agree with you about Neil. I thought through four weeks, I was saying no one or... You know, besides, I, I, I grouped him with a guy like Kendall Coleman as one of the most improved players from the offseason on this team. And in the last two games, Clemson and Pitt, Moniel, I don't think he's broken 40 yards. You're listening to Fizz Radio here on the Score 1260, Tyler Anki, Gil Gross. Now, when we take a look at this entire first half, if you had to kind of put it in a word, how would you describe the first six games of Syracuse football? That's that's interesting. One word. It, it's what's hard to put it into one word, and obviously I'm not. Um, is it was kind of a tale of 
two quarters, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say confusing. That's my word. Confusing. Confusing is okay. my word. For me, I'm not exactly sure the exact word I would pin on it, but kind of a letdown. And I, I feel like that's that's going to sound too harsh, but I mean, maybe unfulfilled is the best word for it to kind of better describe this, but this team should be 6-0. and This is all coming from one game, though, is the crazy thing. Like, Syracuse played five high-quality football games, right? Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't mean, you know, all four quarters have been perfect for through the first five games. Not at all. I mean, there have been, there were ups and downs. But I think if you step back after the Clemson game, you can say Syracuse has played five pretty good football games. All of this negativity that we're feeling right now all comes from one Saturday. And I think it is important to, to recognize that. I get that, but at the same time... To me, we haven't seen Eric Dungy step on someone's throat this year. And that's something that's been a little frustrating, at least uh, against someone that matters. Okay? Okay. He he didn't do it against Florida State. He quite frankly looked pretty flat and had one of his worst performances of the season, if not maybe even his career against Florida State. Tommy DeVito comes in. He had that killer instinct. Mm -hmm. All right? He had a chance against Pitt and against Clemson to put his foot down and just absolutely end the ball game, and he didn't. Right, and that's kind of been why this is a, has been kind of an unfulfilling first half is because you should be six and zero. There's no excuse. You had double digit leads in both your losses. I agree. I agree. Eric, the fourth quarter, and I'm not saying this should be Tommy DeVito's team now because right. it still should be Eric Dungy's team, but. At the same time, I'm going to need to see that killer instinct in the second half out of Eric Dungy. He needs a signature game here, and he needs to do it late. Because I think early in games, I, I feel like he's went downhill here, especially in these fourth quarters with the lead. And I don't know if the if the play calling has changed. Like we said, he hasn't had a run game. The receiving is not as good as he's had in years past. I think that's pretty clear. Although there is right. a lot of depth at that position group, which I think we'll probably get into a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for sure, this this falls a lot on Dungy. It falls a lot on the run defense. You look at the run game, and that's something that, well, how good did we expect that to be? Eric Dungy, on the other hand, we expect the reason for Syracuse to win football games is him. Mm-hmm. So I think there's is there a, a distinction single there. game against an opponent that has mattered? Again, UConn doesn't matter. Right. Wagner doesn't matter. Western Michigan doesn't really matter. Have you seen him put up a performance this year where you're like? Okay, that's a, a Heisman caliber type of player. Possibly Western Michigan. But and, against a team that oh, has mattered. Okay. Right. Um, so FSU, Clemson, and Pitt. and Pitt. No, not really. And that's kind of the reason why I think this team is 4-2 and two right now. And not to shoulder the entire blame, because again, Eric Dungy isn't the one out there getting run over by Travis Etienne or Quadri Allison. But at the same time... He's got to show a little more in those fourth quarters. And for me in particular, for what I've seen from Syracuse is a lot of we're playing to not lose against some of these ACC teams. And that has to change really fast. Because when you look at the way that Syracuse kind of takes its foot off the gas in those fourth quarters and gets a little more tentative and maybe you get fleeced by a couple of ineligible man downfield calls too, 
I mean, there's a couple calls in the season that completely changed the entire outlook of what the Syracuse team could be. And quite frankly, that ineligible man downfield, down granted it was the correct call, but it's a it, dumb rule. It's a bad rule. And I think that if you look at that play, that could have completely changed the course of what this college football season is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if Clemson runs the table, which it very well looks like they could, especially after their performance against Wake Forest last week, 63-3, to I believe, was the final. If Clemson runs the table, they're getting into the college football playoff. If they lose that game to Syracuse with the way that the ACC has played this year, it's a down year for the conference, and I'm not so sure we would see them in the playoff. It would be it would be shaky because the strength— They'd be a three the, or a four, probably, right. if they it, got If it. that, but the, the strength of schedule for Clemson is not— what it was last season where they lose to Syracuse and and you pretty much can be confident where if Clemson continues to win every game from there on out that they were going to make the playoffs. The same wouldn't be the case for this year. So it's a good point. All right, coming up, we'll get to our post-bye week expectations. And that includes a win because Dino Babers has not done that ever since he came to Syracuse. You're listening to Fizz Radio. Welcome back, Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Tyler Rocky and Gil Gross here today. No Syracuse football on the schedule, so we will not have live coverage for you, but we will still be giving you all the latest and greatest analysis from our website, orangefizz.net, also everywhere on social media as well. Are we sending someone Apple to Glen? Are we sending to someone to Glen's Falls as well? That is TBD at the moment. Uh, but we will get to some Joe Girard talk in just a little bit. Hey, you know what today is? What? It is the one-year anniversary of the Clemson victory. Wow. Unforgettable. Yeah. Unforgettable. You'll never forget it because it was Friday the 13th and October 13th. Oh, yeah. It was a Friday game. It was. Beware those Friday games, man. They're the ones that trip you up the most. Some crazy stuff happens on Fridays. Yep. Absolutely. Anyway, let's get into some post-bye week expectations here, Including a couple of players I want to highlight, too. I wrote a piece on orangefizz.net highlighting some of the players that I really think need to step up in these final six games. Because, like, say what you want about how the first six ended, but the buy, or rather the a bowl game still seems, I would say, what, 95% chance? Louisville's bad. North Carolina's bad. <laughs> It shouldn't be a problem. Did you see that? Did you watch any of that Louisville game against, I believe it was Georgia Tech? Friday game. Yeah. Uh, they Lu- got tripped up pretty hard. L- Louisville has looked god-awful. And that game's in November. So maybe Dino can pick up that first, uh, that elusive November victory. Yeah. So when, when we look at these final six games, again, you got two absolute cupcakes on the schedule in North Carolina and Louisville, which you don't get to say a lot in conference play, but... Quite frankly, they are. Both of those games coming at home as well. That Louisville game, actually a Friday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and Louisville will be traveling. So would you be surprised if they put up like 60? Syracuse, that, be, that no. is? No. No. Neither would I. Louisville is a bad team. <laughs> it is a bad football team. Can't stop anyone. So you're, what would you pin Syracuse's bowl probability at still? I like I like 85%. 85. Yeah. Okay. That's So a little lower than me. I still think 95% just because you've got two games laid out on a platter for you, and I don't think you go 0-4 in the others. I mean, there's some close. You're going to have some good games. 95 is really high. 
I know 90, but it, this <laughs> feels like an almost lock. Right. So if Syracuse, but I think that there's more than a 5% chance that Syracuse gets upset once against North Carolina or Louisville, two games they should absolutely win, and then lose all, all its all its toss-ups. And I, I'd say the toss-ups are... If you're, Every other game on this schedule, I feel, is a toss-up. Because you can say what you want about how this team played against Pitt, against Clemson, but Syracuse has a chance to knock off Notre Dame. That feels like a genuine trap game. It does. I'm, I think that's the biggest game of the season. And you could knock Notre Dame out of the playoff in the process. We'll just see where they're at right now. I mean, there's a... I think that everyone looks at this team completely differently after last Saturday. And mm-hmm. that's hard to reconcile because is everyone overreacting or did they show their true colors? I think we won't really get an answer to that question until I don't know about North Carolina because they're so bad that it might not tell us much. But against NC State at Wake Forest, that's where we'll we'll start to see, I guess, what this team really is. So... I'm looking at my piece right now. Which players Syracuse needs to step up after the bye week? I put three in here, and one name I felt was interchangeable with another. But the top one I have, and I think this is the biggest one, is Devin Butler. He has disappeared. He got busted for a violation of team rules, which was just... When you're doing stuff off the field that impacts your availability on the field, and you're already having a down season... I mean, this was a guy who people thought would be the next one in line to be that All-American type receiver. He hasn't gone over 50 yards yet in a game. Everyone was wrong, and Tyler, I kind of, I, I kind of give up. I'm you're giving up. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the Taj Harris train already. I'm, you should be. I'm saying bye bye. Seriously, it's like Devin Butler didn't prove enough last year when he got you know s- some limited time, but a, a few snaps, and he was a decent third, fourth wheel on this offense. Not that Syracuse really needed it with how good Irv Phillips and Steve Ishmael were. But Devin Butler didn't prove enough for us to sit here game seven, game eight, game nine, and still be wondering when he's going to break out. Taj Harris, to me, is probably the guy. Is Taj Harris a future All-American? I'm not saying that his skill level is All-American-like, but in terms of the system... I could see it. I could see it, too. And he's got the measurables, yeah, which is so important at the receiver position. Uh, there have been some balls that have went through his hands. He's had some drops. Uh, so I think that that fundamental stuff might need to get shored up. But as far as Taj Harris being, you know, having the size, the measurables, the speed of a number one guy who can put up huge numbers at Syracuse, I think eventually I, we'll see Taj Harris put up huge numbers. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the Score 1260, Tyler Rocky and Gil Gross. So my number two name here, Scoop Bradshaw. I don't know if you saw the, or if you follow Pro Football Focus at all and what they do with the college stuff, but Christopher Frederick was actually the top-graded cornerback in the conference this week for his performance against Pitt. And he did look pretty good. He's looked very good all season long. And I think one of the reasons why no one maybe gets behind that. Everyone wants to say, oh, Andre Sisco, because he's getting all the interceptions, but no one's throwing at Chris Frederick. Yeah, He's looked damn good. He's been so good. He has two picks, so he has gotten on the st- stat sheet. He also has two pass breakups, and I just want to look up, and this isn't a tell-all stat. Uh, he's got way more tackles than Scoop Bradshaw, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know if Scoop has a pass breakup. 
He might have. I'm 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 about to pull this up. Uh, but I think you nailed it. Frederick, corners, we all know, corners don't get the respect. Mm-hmm. It, when they're playing well, you don't notice them. As a result, you know, you just don't see fans jump onto, you know, to. they're not very quick to praise cornerbacks. Right. Unless, the only ones that get praised are the ones that are loud. Like you think right. of the NFL, talk. the Sherman. ones like Sherman, Patrick Peterson, Jalen Ramsey. I mean, yeah, yeah. J- not, not starting with Jalen Ramsey is almost bearing yeah. the lead on that well, list. Well, I mean, like. Richard Sherman was just Jalen Ramsey before Jalen right. Ramsey, and and he started it, and that's mm-hmm. why what Sherman did was so smart because you gotta you gotta market yourself mm-hmm. as a defensive player, and if you don't use your mouth, it's just not going to happen for you. Right. Um, but Frederick's been awesome, and let's go to breakups here. Andre Cisco leads the team in pass breakups and interceptions. So mm-hmm. in terms of ball hawking, and they don't always come up on the stat sheet. Cisco's the leader in both in both categories. Frederick has two interceptions, two pass breakups. Scoop has one breakup, no interceptions. So coming from a guy who wanted there. eight interceptions eight this picks. year, <laughs> he's got some work to do in the second half. He's got to average what is that? One and a quarter. Um, one and yes. a third. Yeah, one he's of, he's really got some catching up yeah, to do. My my math's not there right now. Anyway. And then my last name on here is Mo Neal. And Mo looked very good in the first three games. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of why he garnered that starting role. But since then, granted he went up against one of, if not the greatest defensive lines in college football history against Clemson. So that's why he couldn't really break through. But he has not looked good ever since he kind of got the reins. And yeah. these last two games, he's... Like prior to these last two games, he had never had fewer than 70 yards in a game all season long. He's done that now in back to back games. Right. And Dino Baber's offenses are known for passing the football. At this point in time, it's not, you know, they're just not known for running the ball. I think that has Syracuse to change. Syracuse was a top, I want to say top 15 running team in the country. Yep. I may even, that's a conservative too. It may have been top 10 before that Clemson game. And that's why they were putting up points. I think it's so essential that this team runs the ball because even with tempo, if you run the ball, you can keep your defense off the field right. and you can play the tempo. And and honestly, in terms of tiring out defensive linemen, running the ball is probably even more effective than passing the ball. Mm-hmm. So if this team can run it effectively, you don't get that that number one kind of, I guess, detractor for tempo offenses, which is your defense gets tired. But in the last two games, we've seen the other team run the ball all, all over Syracuse and Syracuse not getting any run game going. And that's how the Orange gets dominated with time of possession. Yeah, there's nothing more frustrating that this team has done in the Dino Babers era than big play, bomb down the sideline, caught, offense running to the line of scrimmage, and then boom, handoff right up the gut, goes nowhere. Nothing more frustrating that this team does than that. And we've seen it time and time again. When you want to get in a rhythm, it automatically kills it. You might as well have just spiked the ball. Right. Because you need this running game to complement it. And trust me, it will get better in the next couple of years. Abdul Adams coming in next year, so that's always huge. Jarvian Howard's looked good at times, too. He's been a good short down back, too. Well, he's broken off two really long runs as well. Actually, three. There is, there's one against Wagner. There's one against FSU where he fumbled at the mm-hmm. one. And then um, UConn, he had a... I believe, UConn was the one he fumbled. Florida oh, okay. State, right, 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 right. But yeah, so the future is bright in terms of running. And 
Mo Neal's going to have to prove himself if he wants touches next season. How much Jarvion Howard experimentation do you want to see for the, the rest of the season? If Mo Neal can't get it going, at what point... I mean, basically, what's the next step there? Do, do they go back I still to think it's platooning Strickland. Strickland? I think... and Because I think this is kind of... Ser- I don't know if it's served as a wake-up call for Strickland or what, but we need to see... Dante Strickland kind of proved this. I want to see a bigger sample size. I don't think he has it. Why is that? I just, I don't see him. All you can ask of a running back is to, because if there's no holes, if you don't get blocking, you're not going anywhere. All you ask of a running back is to sometimes beat a tackler one-on-one. And Strickland rarely does that. And I think that Strickland is honestly a talent, Matt. I admire Dante Strickland. He's a great blocker. Do you want to he be passes. him when you grow up? <laughs> is that what you were writing? Um, in your third grade papers and stuff? Yes, I just wanted to be Dante Strickland. I think he's a good talent maximizer. I think he plays smart, he's a good blocker, he catches the ball, he does what he's asked. But he doesn't beat tacklers one-on-one, where I think Jarvion Howard, he's shown that he can. That's fair. But I just think that you need four yards and you have to run the ball. I kind of like Strickland. I'll I'll agree with you on this. I don't like Moniel for that situation. <laughs> Moniel has struggled his for for three years now to get over two hundred pounds. He's finally over two hundred pounds now, mm-hmm. but he's really not the kind of back that you want to be running between the tackles. And Syracuse right. does it probably too often. Okay, is there any? I know. So the interchangeable name on here that I had was Devin Butler with Jamal Custis. I think both of them just need to step it up. Everyone thought everyone was all aboard this Jamal Custis is the next All-American hype train after game one, including myself. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to happen. But ever since then, he's really tailed off. Is there another name on here that I'm missing? Hmm. Uh, I'd say maybe the the linebacking core. And I think Kylan Wintner's been really good. Uh, I think Ryan Guthrie's Ryan Guthrie's sneaky been... had a good season. Yeah, it's just... I guess what I'm trying to get at is... Like that Clemson drive, even though they kind of fell apart, he looked good. He was making big tackles and big spots, and he doesn't miss a lot of tackles. Meanwhile, we saw with... I can't remember which big run it was against Pitt, but one of the big ones that went for a touchdown, and Evan Foster just whiffs on a tackle. All you got to do is push him out of bounds. That was a really bad play by Evan Foster on on the long... um, I'm pretty sure it was Was Allison. or was it Arugia Lopes? Oh, uh, it was. Way. It was. You're right. It was a screen pass to the to the far side to Arugia mm-hmm. Lopes, and and Foster couldn't make the tackle. Yeah. But what I was getting at is Syracuse has to stop the run run better. So I guess who are you placing the blame on that? Whoever that is, and it's probably a group of guys. Like I almost kind of want to group the linebackers together. I think that one of those guys kind of have to be on that list. I feel like. Yeah. Or or maybe it's honestly, maybe it's Chris Slayton. I mean, he's he's supposed to be the dominant run stopper. With that being said, as a as kind of a nose tackle type, it, it's hard to have leave too big an imprint on the game if, if they run it to the outside. Right. And he's drawn a lot of doubles as well. Right. So before we take a break and talk about the golden child, Joe Girard, that <laughs> everyone wants to hear about, how many wins does this team finish with? I'm gonna go. I'm going to go, ah, so I think seven and a half, so I think it's between seven or eight, mm-hmm. and... Well, you can't tie in college football, Gil. I'm going to go with seven. You're going seven. I'm going to go with eight. I think they go four and two in both segments. 
I think this is an eight and four football team. And if you're flipping your record from the year before, the previous two years, I think you take it. Run to the bank with it. Four losses against this schedule is, you'll take it. Eight and four is a lot better than a lot of people thought this team would be. All right, coming up, we'll talk Joe Girard. He's got a big decision to make tomorrow. We'll have more right here on Fizz Radio. All right, on to basketball here on Fizz Radio. Tyler Aki and Gil Gross. If you miss any of the show, you can check it out on iTunes, Orange Fizz on Apple Podcasts. You'll get this full Fizz Radio episode and a lot more by checking us out. Subscribe, rate five stars. You're subscribed. Are you rating five stars? I'm not. I'm not on iTunes. That's right. You're uh Yeah. That's right. You're uh you're an Android guy. That's right. So where do you get your podcasts? Uh Spotify or Google Podcasts. Gotcha, gotcha. Are we on those? I'm not sure. You right. should know that. I should know that. Anyway, let's get into Joe Girard's decision after a, a lot of football talk, but it is the bye week, so we can kind of relax and get into this big story we've got going in Syracuse right now. So Joe Girard is making his decision tomorrow. It's coming at 7 o'clock, so you can be tuned in on Twitter or if you live in the, the Glens Falls area and want to just go support the kid, go for it. Local kid. He's got a big decision to make. He's got six teams to pick from. I think really only four have a realistic shot. I'm going to rule out Penn State and Boston College. So it's pretty much down to, in my opinion, Syracuse, Duke, Notre Dame, and Michigan. Mm-hmm. And let's just put it this way. I, it's not the end of the world if he doesn't pick Syracuse. And right now, I'm kind of 50-50 on if he's going to pick Syracuse. I, it's always tough to be in a recruiting battle with Duke. Yeah. It's always tough to be in a recruiting battle with a team like Notre Dame. How hard is Kay going after him that's is, the is the question. Well, so John Shire is the one that's recruiting Joe Girard right now. And likewise for Syracuse, Jerry McNamara is the one recruiting Joe Girard right now. Both of those guys can make the same pitch. Come here, you can do what I did. Win a national championship and just be the king of the campus for four years. But with Duke, does he buy it? That's true. Right? Does he it's, buy it's it a with Duke? He's a, he's a three-star guy. He's, he's, been, a, he's been upgraded. A, okay, to four he's been stars, upgraded yes. to four stars. Now, but okay, fine. He's a, he's borderline that way. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of swagger. He's got a lot of confidence. Um, he's put up crazy stats. So he's got all those things going for him. But there, you know, no one, almost no one, is guaranteed playtime at Duke. So you have that same kind of dynamic going. Where honestly, usually it hasn't really mattered, uh, and and guys will still go to Duke, a la uh, Jordan Tucker. Um, but. I wouldn't rule out Michigan here because he does have good connections to Coach Beeline, right. and that's a His program on the up. For him, so we, that's yeah. I wouldn't say Michigan's on the up and up, but like they're a good team. They're, right and, at at the moment, the program's in a good place. Right, exactly. They're they're not on an up and up because they've always been on the up. Yeah, sure. so that's that, right. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel about yep. them. But it's not the end of the world, and I think this is the thing that people are are doing. I'm not going to go out and call him overrated because I think that's dumb to do with a kid who, again, you're playing against a bunch of different people. And you can't really call a guy overrated if he's averaging 50 points per game. But it's not the end of the world if he doesn't pick Syracuse. He kind of struggles on the big stage. Yes, he's averaging the 50 points per game in high school. But how good is that high school competition in that area? You're in a, a kind of a small area. You're not playing a lot of these big schools. 
when he goes to AAU, he's not the alpha dog. Mm-hmm. He played on an AAU team with Isaiah Stewart. Isaiah Stewart was an alpha dog. But you look at his numbers. Yeah, he's got the, the percentages, but he's not playing a ton of minutes. He's playing between 10, 15 minutes. There are games where he aver- where he's out there for only three minutes. And basically, it seems like sometimes they just need him to get a bucket. His percentages are solid. They're actually the three point percentage is very good. It's around forty five percent. But you look at some of these scoring games and nothing blows you out of the waters. I mean, he had one kind of outlier where he had twenty eight. Right. Everything else was under twenty. Let's He's face not it. that alpha dog. And you want to know who I really like in this class? And granted, there's really only one other option, but it's Bryson Gooding. I think people thinking that. Not having Joe Girard is a disaster for the class are just wrong because Bryson Gooding is a great kind of building block, especially since you've held him down for so long during this process and have watched him blossom. Yep. Syracuse has kind of had a knack for that these last couple of years of finding those guys who maybe aren't in the top 100, but when it's all said and done and when their college careers are over, they're a clear top 100 guy. O'Shea Brissett is going to go down in this recruiting class as one of the better players. He'll be in the top 20. I, I agree. Guess. When you look at, and, and even with other some other guys in there, I'm not saying Mark Dolajai and, and Brahma Sidibe are going to be at the top of that class, but they're, they've made solid contributions and are definitely probably top 100 level prospects. They were certainly underrated. Exactly. And that's a lot of what I think Jim Beheim and his staff did with Bryson Gooding. You got to tip your hat to what they did. They found him, and now he's a top 100 prospect. Yeah, either or. Look, Gerard is a local kid with a lot of swagger, which I just mentioned. So, of course, you know, I think people see G-Mac in him a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, And that's attractive. And, you know, it's attractive to me as well. Uh, I think that everyone should, you know, should should root for an exciting prospect like that, that to come. You know, regardless of of if he's the best recruit that Syracuse can has, you know, gotten in the last 10 years, he's not. But the other stuff should make right. It's not. It's not. He's not even in that conversation. But let's face it: the high school stats that he's put up. The reason you don't see this more is because when you're as good as Joe Girard is normally, you leave high school. You play elsewhere. Right. Yeah. And he stayed in high school at, at Glens Falls. At I mean, he's just playing at a level below him. And that's not to say he's the next coming of. I don't know who who to name drop, but you know the point is that's where you get your fifty points per game because he didn't leave. Most yeah. guys leave. Most guys go to like the. I mean Syracuse. The case has been Brewster Academy. You see right. Montverde. You see Finley Prep, Huntington. All these schools, and yeah, that's a great point. He never left for any of those schools, and right now you just gotta, you just gotta hope. the The one thing that I would take away from this as a, a big loss is the fact, if if he decides not to come to Syracuse, is the fact that you couldn't get the local kid. Right. Even right. though he's from about three hours away, I mean, that's the local kid. Yeah, and just losing to Duke would be bad because... Now you have to face that, him, but right. at, at the end of the day... And it's just and it just gets old. How much is he going <laughs> to... Yeah. How much is he going to play at Duke, too? Who knows? Right, right. So... All right, coming up, we'll get to Fizz Feedback. That's on the other side. You submit your questions on Twitter. We post our questions on Twitter. We'll get you the results coming up in just a little bit. You're listening to Fizz Radio. 
All right, let's wrap it up here on Fizz Radio. Tyler Aki, Guild Gross. We're going to get right into it. We've got Fizz feedback for you. We throw our questions out on Twitter, and you guys vote in the polls. So let's just go one by one. I think we're going to have time to get to all of these today. So uh, which player was the biggest pleasant surprise of the first half? Is it Andre Sisko, Taj Harris, Kendall Coleman, or other reply below? Right now, it was this isn't even close. Okay, Andre Cisco leading the way at seventy two percent, Kendall Coleman at fifteen, Taj Harris at twelve, and other at just one percent. I'm surprised other is not getting a lot of love. And we had one response here. It says Cisco for sure, but the kicker too, and that being Andre Schmidt. Right, Schmidt has won them games this year. Yeah, Schmidt is is the most surprising guy. I think. When you, all things considered, it's probably Schmidt, and I probably should have thrown him on on the poll. So uh-huh. that's on me. But Andre Cisco has been a revelation. He's obviously putting up the numbers. All I mean, you can make the case for all of these guys. You can. I mean, Cisco came in, and and there was a little bit more more hype surrounding him, especially because we knew he was going to start. Where Taj was a guy, I you know he wasn't really on people's radar. So mm-hmm. in terms of like how surprising he is, I'd give him the edge over Cisco. Um, but you make a good point. I mean, Schmidt, talk about a guy who definitely wasn't supposed to see the field. Right. And- Andre Schmidt was not the starting kicker going into the, or not going into the season, but um, in the in the summer. And then Dino said, practice, he just kept hitting and hitting and hitting and hitting. Yeah. And that was that. Next up, which player needs to step up after the bye week the most? Is it A, Devin Butler, B, Scoop Bradshaw, C, Moneal, or D, Other? Devin Butler... Getting more than half the vote here at 52%. He's followed by Mo Neal at 19%, Other at 18%, and Scoop Bradshaw pulling up the rear at 11% on this one. We do have a reply as well from Rich SU Fan. It says, Eric Dungey needs to improve on his accuracy and decision making. Yeah, so I want to kind of dive into this now. So 18%, what percent of that? Do you think are people saying Dungey? He's the quarterback, so so most of the eighteen percent. You would say most of the eighteen percent. I would agree. I think it's probably ninety five percent of that vote. I, I disagree with Devin Butler winning this poll though, or winning really? or, or losing. Yes, I I don't agree because I think other guys other guys can step up. I don't think Syracuse needs Devin Butler. Mo Neal, on the other hand, if he's the starting running back, he needs to play better, or Syracuse is going to lose football games. If Devin Butler drops off the face of the earth, Syracuse is going to be fine. But it's the added weapons there too, and and yes, you've you've been lucky that Taj Harris has been as good as he's been, but I mean this offense predicates on weapons, and you need all the weapons you can get. I agree, but you have Nikeem Johnson as well. Nikeem Johnson Sh- Sean, has also been a right. Great he's revelation. been really good, and Sean Riley's been better than I expected. And then you have Custis, your big body on the outside. Custis is there. All right. Last one we've got here for you on Fizz Feedback. Where will Joe Girard end up? And this was Homer Central. (laughs) Syracuse at 75%, Duke 11%, Notre Dame 8%, other at 6%. Those other being Michigan, Boston College, and Penn State. To me, I mean, we just found our audience, and (laughs) that's pretty much why. But I, I think he comes to Syracuse, but I just want to warn fans don't think he's the next huge thing. I mean, he's a back-end top 100 recruit, which is good. He's going to be a, a, a solid player, but 
I mean, if you're expecting the next Jerry McNamara or Carmelo Anthony, and I think that's kind of felt like what this hype's been all about, but that's yeah. probably not what you're getting. Yeah, and it's it's from the stats, and, and I agree. At the same time, it's a perfect kind of guy where you he's probably staying four years. He doesn't have NBA size. So I, I think, see, like I said, this would be a really good thing for Syracuse to land this guy. He'll have a good borderline great college career. That's what I'm going to say. But I, I don't think you should be setting this expectation. He's not going to be a tournament most outstanding player. Um, that's all. I'm going to leave that. All right, that's all the time we have here on Fizz Radio. For Gil Gross, I'm Tyler Rocky. No Syracuse football this week. Go enjoy yourself today. We'll see you next week.